0: You're about to listen to a message from the Life Point Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Because we know you are here. We came for you. We have not come for man. We have not come to hear the mere words of man, but we have come to receive from our Father's heart that which he has prepared for us. So, Lord, I ask that you take your place in our midst. I ask that you do that which only you can. Scripture says, where the word of a king is, there is power. So we declare that there is power in this house this morning to save, to heal, to deliver, to transform lives, to change destinies. And that your name alone will be glorified. In Jesus' name we have prayed and agreed. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, uh, this morning, very quickly, I will be sharing on a title called, What is Your Crazy? Would you kindly ask your neighbor, the person sitting by you, what is your crazy? What is your crazy? Okay. Um, So, this month, we will be discussing, we started on Wednesday already, we will be discussing um, leadership influence And uh, living a life of significance and impact, essentially how do we become people of influence in a world filled with so much darkness, in a world filled with so much hopelessness? How can we impact our world? How can we transform our world? But it starts with each and every one of us. The work starts with us as individuals. Recognizing that there is something God has fashioned us for, something he has designed us for specifically, something we are supposed to be doing. And it's almost as if we do God a disservice and we do ourselves great injustice when we don't find ourselves walking the path that we have been created to. Dr. Miles Morrow, very interesting that um, Joshua is also one of his mentees. We are many that are learning from the late Dr. Miles Morrow. He says concerning leadership that it is the capacity to influence others through inspiration, motivated by passion, generated by vision, produced by a conviction, and ignited by a purpose. He goes on to explain that influence is creating the want and desire in others to do what you want and what you desire for them to do. Speaking about influence, I remember a video that Pastor Godman, our papa, our pastor's pastor, shared with us at um, Elevation Church sometime a couple years back, and it was about a young boy, a very little boy. They were at a beach, you know, everybody was chilling and hanging out at, at the beach, and this boy... All of a sudden, music starts to play, and it starts to dance. And I promise you, it is not anything fancy. It's not what the band, um, amazing band made us do, you know, all that bounce, and it's not shakusha, nothing pretty. This boy starts to dance, and I should not even try and mimic what he did, but he starts to dance. And people start to laugh. Some people say pointing at him you know, and he was there for a while. He just continued his thing, rolling around and just doing his thing until a lady steps up and joins him in that dance. And as the lady starts to dance along with the boy, another man showed up and joined till eventually the entire beach starts dancing. And that story, that video never left me because... It shows the power of influence. We live in a generation where people, we have positive influencers and we have, well, what we can, permit me to call negative influencers. As individuals, there's somebody who's influencing you. Someone who's influencing your decision to lose weight. Someone probably influencing how you dress. Someone influencing how you talk, possibly. But something is influencing you. Or you are influencing others. The journey to a life of impact can be very lonely. Sometimes you have to handle and deal with the unpopular. Sometimes you take a stand and you are moving against the currents of the times. This is where the world has decided to go. But you take a stand knowing very well who you are and what you are called to. And you probably find yourself going in the opposite direction. Until people begin to see value, then they start to do what you want them to do. Not by power, not by coercion. So you're not forcing them. But they see, they recognize it. They see value in you and in what you're about. And they start to you know, join you in your walk. So, while it is that... You know, this, ta- this message is tagged. What is your crazy? I want to share um, the story of a, a few people in the scriptures who have been called crazy. So we can draw some encouragement and strength from their journey and their stories. They called Jesus crazy. They tried to tune him out. In fact, his own level of insanity, the way he was described, was the one that demanded stones and sticks. Why would they do that? Why do we think Jesus, at the points he found himself engaging with the legalists, engaging with the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the Sadducees, he stood his ground? It was because he knew who he was, he knew what his mission was, and he didn't hesitate to make it known. He showed the advantages of the way. His way that he had come to propagate. Essentially, every time Jesus stood and he addressed the legalists, he addressed the teachers of the law. He was saying to them, my way is better than yours. My way is the way of love. My way is the way of mercy. My way is the way of peace. My way is not the way of judgment. And for those guys, he did something to them. Which was why they labeled him crazy. In John 10:20, scripture says, and many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? The writer of Mark also goes on to explain in chapter 3, verse 21, that when his own people... So this wasn't even just uh, Jesus being condemned or being insulted by the teachers of, this, of the law. In Mark, his own people... Because at this point, um, so Jesus had been with the multitude. And scripture records that where they were, it was so choked that people could not lift their hands to eat. He said when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him. For they said he is out of his mind. So I don't know who it is that has called you a name because of what you believe. I don't know who it is that has labeled you because of what you are standing for. I don't know who it is that you have, because of them and what they will say, you have dropped your dreams and your vision. But this morning, God is saying to you, it's time to pick them up. Because I created you. Scripture says that before you were formed and fashioned in your mother's womb, he knew you. He separated you. He called you and created you for something. The scribes came down from Jerusalem, verse 22 of that same mark, and he said, they said, he has Beelzebub. And by the ruler of the demons, he cast out demons. They even called him demonic. So please draw strength from the fact that we have a high priest who is not unaware, who is not unfamiliar, if I may use that word, with the things that we are currently dealing with and the things that we are going through in our quest to live a life of impact and significance. Jesus had a passion to inspire, to leave people better than he met them. He always made it a point of duty to, to re-emphasize the reason why he came. His assignments. And we will see that. He will say things like, I have come that you may have life. And have it more abundantly. He would say things like, I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And not to be served. In the book of Matthew twenty twenty eight. He would say, I came for sinners and not the righteous. Paul was also called crazy, you know. In Acts 26, 24, I'm going to run through a couple of scriptures. It says, now as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. In other words, Paul, you have gone mad. Too much learning is driving you crazy. Only someone of Paul's standing and with such temperament, such a strong personality. You know, Paul was very cerebral. Only someone like Paul could face those guys, the likes of Festus and, you know, those teachers. Only he could defy the currents of his time and withstand the pressures and the persecution that came with his assignment. The big, the bad, and the ugly have now become the norm. In the world we live in. So I ask you, why have you come? Jesus says, I came that you may have life. Why have you come? That is the question I want us to start thinking about. Why have you come? Why are you here? What will you do? You, you, you. What will you do to change the narrative? What is in your hands? What are the skills, the talents, the abilities that God has so preciously taken out time to design and given to you? What is your crazy? What do you stand for? Someone needs to move from a place of just desiring success to a place of desiring significance. You need to move from a place of just desiring success. I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want to use the best cars. I want to have the best houses in the choice locations in Lagos. One in New York. One in Dubai. These things, yeah, they sound nice. But best believe that God has called you to more. Best believe that you have been designed for much more. You were not just born to exist. I wasn't just created to exist, to add to the numbers. No. I wasn't created, you know, because God needed to feel good. He needed to feel like, oh, I have a lot of people, the works of my hands. Nah. There is more to me. There is more to you. I want us to look at the lives of Joseph and Daniel. They were very skilled administrators, if I may call them that. That's how I choose to see them. Every time I read their story, I'm very inspired. Because these were two different gentlemen from very different backgrounds, but they ended up controlling the affairs of nations that they were not born in. That was how much impact they had. They had the skill set required to thrive in their roles in government. The story of Daniel in chapter 1, verse 3... It says, then the king instructed Ashpenaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel, some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, four young men in whom there was no blemish, good-looking, gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understand. You know, when we read the story of Daniel, sometimes we think, oh, Daniel had an excellent spirit, he enjoyed favor with God, is the reason why he you know, was divinely positioned. Let's not get it twisted. Daniel was royalty. He had some royal blood in him. The scripture I just read here shows how that the king was very deliberate in selecting a group of young men. People who had, a, you know, who were gifted in wisdom, who had skills. People who were filled with knowledge. But there was something that made these Hebrew boys stand out. They knew God. And they walked with God. Little wonder that when they got to the place of their assignment, they succeeded in it. So sometimes when we think about Daniel, we think, oh, yes, God revealed to him. He had the gift of interpretation of dreams. Yes. But if Daniel could only interpret dreams and could not function in the place of his assignment as an administrator, one who had been placed to oversee, first of all, he was not a Babylonian, he was Hebrew. If he had been positioned, and then what? God will not allow us to shame him. He will not. So some of us right now, we are riding on the wings of mercy. We are just enjoying grace. Meanwhile, God is looking at you. Is bringing opportunities your way. Opportunities for growth. Opportunities for development. I like jo- Joshua's uh, God experience. And even Sean, there was a part of it that re- you know, required them to, to step out of their comfort zone. Joshua began to handle six different businesses that he he was not prepared to possibly. But he put himself out there. Opportunities are currently coming your way. You are asking, how much are they going to pay me? Would you take it first? Learn the skills. Some of us are waiting. I've not gotten my dream job yet. When I get it, then I will apply myself. I will then succeed. Meanwhile, there are opportunities for volunteering and internship. Getting there gets the skills. But back to Daniel and Joseph. Here was Daniel, filled with the anointing, and also very skilled to be able to administer effectively in a nation that wasn't his. Same with Joseph. I mean, we we, we, we don't know so much about Joseph's journey in terms of the skills and the abilities he had. But one thing was clear. He also walked with God, and I dare say, my own interpretation, every time I study the story of Joseph, is there must have been something Potiphar saw in him that made him appoint him as, you know, the one in charge of his entire household. Suggest so to me Joseph was probably con- controlling Potiphar's estates. Joseph was probably controlling Potiphar's. The only thing Joseph was not controlling was his wife. There must have been something Joseph displayed that made Potiphar beyond the favor of God that was upon Joseph's life. Yes, he enjoyed favor. But having, I mean, the God that you and I serve, the God that the scripture shows us about, God does not deal with mediocrity. So I would not accept that Joseph rode only on the wings of favor. Joseph would have been learning stuff preparing him for that assignment that is what God does always opens up opportunities for us to learn to grow and to be prepared for the next level The question is are you and I too blind in our pursuit for daily needs in our pursuits for bread and butter that we are not recognizing the opportunities God is bringing our way for growth and has he desires to prepare us for the next level These guys had something God could work with. More importantly, they had a relationship with God. which made it very possible for them to interpret the mind and the mysteries of God in a strange land. When you solve problems, people will seek you out. For those of you who were in church on Wednesday, we saw it in the video um, we watched from uh, Strive and Bishop T.D. Jakes' interview when you solve problems, people will look for you. So you need a vision that goes beyond your provision. You need a vision that goes beyond your means. You need a vision that is bigger than you. That is what PI always teaches us. You need to move from that place where you are constantly thinking about what I will eat, what I will drink, what I will wear. And start to engage the mind of God for what is on his heart for your nation, for what is on his heart for your industry for what is on his heart for your family, for what is on his heart for your school. Because those are the people Jesus is seeking out. When he says that the harvest is plenty, but the laborers are few, these are the laborers he's seeking out. Laborers in the marketplace. A lot of times when we read the scripture, we think it means just the church. Absolutely not. There are people who need to see your light shine. There are people who need to experience the love of the father through you. But when you position yourself you get very comfortable because you have your car. You have, you know, the next thing you are praying for is I want to marry. When husband comes, you are you are, you are sorted. You're all right. But God is saying, I didn't just create you to exist. I created you because there is a gap. Hannah needed a son. God needed a prophet. Anna needed Samuel. She, she just wanted a child. But until she got to that place of exchange, and she said, Father, I will leave him for you. I will release him. Give me, I will give him back to you. Some of us need to begin to think in that direction. So what does a life of impact and significance look like? According to God's standards. And I'm not talking fame. I'm not talking popularity. Because these things are very fickle. They are ephemeral. They will pass. There are so many famous people now that we are struggling to remember. I promise you that some generations to come, they will not remember certain names. Because they have played their part and they have gone. But there are certain people we think about now. When I say MLK, Martin Luther King, we know what he stood for. Generations are still benefiting from the battles that he fought. When I say Mother Teresa, we know what she stood for. When we talk about the likes of Steve Jobs, who gave us Apple, technology, utilizing technology and making life easier. People are solving problems with technology. I heard Bishop T.D. Jake say this when you are petrified, you are also electrified. The greatest things that have happened in our lives happen when we're scared, afraid to step out, afraid to launch out. I always love, you know, listening to Pastor Tokmet talk and share her experience because she's, she has battle scars in starting out businesses. She's been there. She's, I mean, from debt to losing the entire business and literally almost having to start over. We heard Strife say the same on on, on Wednesday. But we will be doing ourselves great injustice if we sit because we are afraid and not do anything. So Matthew chapter 5 verse 13 to 16 defines God's standard for influence, God's standard for impact and significance. I'll read from the message translation very quickly. It says, let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness. Did you notice the rhyme in there? Saltiness. Godliness, usefulness, solar focus. You've lost your usefulness and we end up in baggage or garbage. Here's another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city set on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand, and now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand shine that is what god is saying to us this morning i am, i didn't create you to hide you so some of us need to move i mean this message is also for me i promise you we need to move from that place of false humility where we are afraid to launch out where we are afraid to do stuff oh yeah i don't want to be seen i don't want to be heard i don't want to be known god will just know yeah i will just do my thing in my little corner God is saying, I made you light. Light needs to shine. Otherwise, it is not light. Light needs to dispel darkness. Sometimes the darkness you are dispelling is the ignorance around you. Light reveals. It reveals the true nature of God. It reveals and shows people that they can be better, that they can live better. Salt preserves. Salt purifies. Salt flavors. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. We worry too much about being known, about being famous, about being in the spotlight. That's on people's prayer points. If we have to open hearts this morning, we'll be amazed. I want to blow. I want to hammer. I want to be known. But the secrets. If you Let me go back and read that. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. We would all see it, right? All we need to worry about is becoming who God has called us to and be set on a hill. That's all. The fame will come. The popularity will come. And if it does not come, it's all right. Because we derive pleasure in knowing that our Father is glorified and knowing that we have completed our assignment here on earth. One of the things I always prayed for when I was a teenager was, Lord, I want to die empty. I heard it from someone. I did not understand it. I want to die empty. I want to until I I, I heard it properly. Listen to the message. I think it was either Dr. Um, Mike Murdoch or Miles Monroe, but spoke about how that the cemetery has so many gifts and talents buried in there. People who were either too afraid to express. So David in the Psalms would request to know God's precepts. I love David. Pastor Tocma mentioned him while she was praying here earlier. He would seek to know God. To teach me your ways, Lord. Teach me your statutes. Reveal what is in your heart for me. Show me. Show me. Always asking. Always seeking. Always wanting to know. Little wonder his son, Solomon... When it was time for him to be equipped for his role as king, when God approached him, after he had, you know, loved on God with the sacrifices he he offered him, he would ask God for just one thing, wisdom. Wisdom to be able to effectively lead and guide the people you have committed into my hands. Wisdom to lead. I can't do this, Lord. I need your help. That's essentially what Solomon was saying there. And Solomon got that wisdom, so much so that he was recorded as the wisest man in history. But he didn't just get wisdom. Remember, a city set on a hill. He got other things. And that's why the Bible says, seek first the kingdom. Every other thing will be added. The things we're hustling for, the things we're worrying about, they will be added. So I ask again, what is your crazy, guys? What is your crazy? On the other hand, in comparison with David and Solomon, some of us, all we are asking for, you know, David and Solomon wanted what was on God's heart for their people. They wanted to know God more. How to live better for him. You and I, were asking God, Lord, what is in your hands? What is in your hands for me? Where are those gifts? Where are the miracles? That's what we are seeking after. My challenge to us this morning is we can do better. We need to start to engage. And you know, P.I. always says it. Engage God's mind for what he's doing in and around you. Don't be content with just seeking out the blessing. That was what the younger son did. For those of you who did Bible, joined Bible study last month, and I encourage everybody to try and show up on Sunday for Bible study. I taught us about inheritance matters. And the story of the, yo- the, the prodigal son, the younger son, c- cannot leave me. There was so much insight that he shared. But you see, the one thing that he said that, st- that struck me was, the guy, the younger son, was more concerned about the father's gifts and not the father's heart. All he saw was, father, divide your inheritance, because that was all he saw with the father. There was no heart connection. A life of significance is a life of light. A life of significance is a life of light. So I ask, can you hear the voice of God in the needs of the helpless and the hopeless around you? Can you hear the voice of God in the needs of the helpless and the hopeless around you? Someone is waiting for you to write something that would inspire life back in them, that would spark them up. Someone is waiting for you to sing that song that would restore hope and, you know, cause a course correction from the path of depression and and suicide to the path of living and life. Someone is waiting for you to use your law practice to help save people who have had long-standing cases in this country. We all know the way our justice system is. Someone is waiting for you that all those five, six, seven years you have spent studying medicine, you even studied it abroad, it's not even the local one, that you will do something with it. I have anointing. I can lay hands and people will be healed. I can pray for people and they will recover. The sick will recover. But you have anointing plus medicine. You went to school for it. I cannot conduct an open heart surgery. But you are equipped with it. What are you doing? What are you doing to transform your industry? What is your crazy? You are placed in time to influence your generation to fulfill purpose, and to give meaning to our lives. Some people have been placed in our nation at this time to fix the issues in our government institutions, our healthcare system, our family systems, to produce content that is rich and edifying in arts and entertainment, to facilitate the provision of good education for children in low-income families who can't afford private or international schooling, The list is endless, guys. There is work to be done. And God is seeking out people who will join him in his work. God is seeking out people who will be his hands and his feet here on earth. That is significance. That is living a life of influence. So there was a little boy, I remember, I think it was Feladrotoy when he was here a couple years back. Yes. I think it was year one when we started. He was here and he showed us a video. I don't know how many of you remember it. A video of that little Indian boy who was on his way to school. And there was so much traffic, there was a gridlock. And he got to the front and saw the reason. I mean, here you saw cars, adults honking, shouting at themselves, Move, you move, me move. He got to the front and saw the reason for the gridlock a huge tree had fallen across the road. As such, people could not move, or cars could not move. And people were in their cars honking. I don't understand why they were honking for the tree to carry itself and move. But anyway, this little boy, on his way to school, drops his school bag and goes to the tree. He cannot carry that tree. He cannot push that tree. But he goes there and begins to make an attempt to push. And it was there pushing and pushing and pushing till eventually the adults began to join in and they eventually moved that tree. What am I saying, guys? Sometimes you only need to start. Just start. Take that leap of faith and just start. Get started. Oh, Nigeria is such a hard place to do business. Just start. Nigeria is such a, you know, there's so many things we say about our dear nation. It will take years and years and years to ever reform our justice system. Just start. As you start and as you persevere, you keep at it, people will join you. God will begin to stir up hearts. They will join you. Let's get started, guys. There is work to be done. You think you are too young. Age is not a measure of impact, I promise you. And a very classic example I have is Methuselah and Jesus. Please, aside from Methuselah's age, what else do we know about him in the scriptures? Nada, yeah? Mhm. Please, Bible scholars, maybe my Bible study is not that deep. Joshua, any other thing about Methuselah in the scriptures? Those of you who have read the Bible cover to cover, Samuel. <laughs> any other thing about Methuselah? Last I checked, it was just his age we saw. In the scriptures, 90s, maybe 969 or something, over 900. Cha. How long did Jesus live? 33 and small. 33 and small. How many 33s will you find in 960 something? So, age is not a measure of impact, guys. So, never ever say to yourself, You are too young. That is a lie of the devil. The things Jesus did, we are still learning. We are still unraveling. We are still trying to. F- f- we have not fully comprehended. We are, you know, dissecting them day by day as we go along. The things Jesus did, we are enjoying. You think you are not qualified because you are not married. You think you are not qualified because you are married. See how positioning sometimes makes us comfortable and causes problems. You think you are not qualified because you don't have money to start. Ask Strive. We learnt it on Wednesday. You say you come from a disadvantaged background. They are very poor in my family. Nobody knows us. Ask Jesus. He was born in a manger. Ask Gideon. God will show up and say to Gideon, oh, mighty man of valor. That is who he is. That is who Gideon is. Beyond how he perceived himself. And I say to everyone here today that we have a name. We have been called by a name, just as the book of Isaiah says. We have been called by a name that the, that the mouth of the Lord has pronounced. You have been called by a name from God. So engage him to know what it is that he has called you. Gideon never saw himself in that light. You say you are not qualified because of your past. One of my mentors said this to me this week. You say you are not qualified because of your past. Ask Rahab. We all know the story of Rahab. Let me not assume. But Rahab is popularly described as the harlot, the prostitute in the scriptures. In fact, when they call her name, they say, Rahab the harlot. Rahab, the prostitute. I don't know why they can't even ch- try and change the woman's name. Because after all, Jesus came from her. Jesus came through her lineage. But here was Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. Her work is to n- haggle, negotiate, and get into bed. That was all. But where her house was, she was opportuned for the spies to have come to her lodging. Maybe they came because of her profession. They thought it would be safe. After all, everybody comes to her. Every man comes to her. So for them, it was some sort of... This is my own personal interpretation. When you read your own, you derive your own revelation from it. But here was how I perceived it. Why didn't they go elsewhere? I think it was because Rahab was a harlot. Men come to her by default. So it would not have been strange if these guys went to her. And they got into her... And Rahab used what she had, which was her skill. No, I'm not talking about prostitution. I'm talking about her skill at negotiating. Because I'm sure she's had to do that several times with customers. But something, as I was studying Rahab, something very instructive that the Holy Spirit showed me was Rahab knew a lot. So this wasn't the difference between Rahab and the Samaritan woman was Jesus had to say stuff to the Samaritan woman to get her to come to a place of understanding. He had to reveal to her for her to be able to, you know, accept. Rahab knew about the God of those spies. He knew about the, she knew about the Hebrew God before they showed up. That means in the course of doing her job, she must have been gan- gathering information. And just the general feel in her in, in, in country, in her nation, you know, when the men come to her, maybe some of the military men or whatever come to her, the soldiers, and she's hearing them talk. You know, she's asking questions. Because she spoke with such knowledge. Please go and read it. She said, I know. I have heard. You know, she, 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 it means that she had spent time meditating and trying to figure out the Hebrew God. Because she eventually acknowledges him as the creator of heaven and earth. This is a woman who had not encountered God, as it were. Nobody had come to preach to her. She formed a conclusion of God based on what she had heard. We heard God did this to people in Egypt. If that God can do it, then I know. And she goes on to save her generation. She goes on to save her family. She negotiates a deal that preserves generations to come. So much so that our Lord and Master, Jesus, is attributed as coming through her lineage as well. So you are not your past. Never ever let your past define you. Never ever let your past slow you down. Because we have a God of mercy and grace. He's loving, that's who he is. That is who he is. And he doesn't change. That same God that did it for Rahab... As my CAC people will say, the God I did it for Rahab, so much so that in Hebrews 11, is it 31 now, she's featured in the hall of faith as one who had faith in God. Nobody preached to Rahab. That same God is alive and he's ready to transform your journey if you would let him. Job 8:7 says the amplified version though your beginning was insignificant yet your end will greatly increase. So I ask what has God committed into your hands to do this year? What were the conversations the Holy Spirit had with you as you started 2018? How much of these things have you done? And are you moving in that direction? Because you see, as shown in the scriptures, the parable of the talents and all, God will commit more to your hands if you have proven faithful with the little that he gave you initially. So don't be here begging God for revelation and more, you Lord, I want, to, I, I, I want to do more. When the ones he asked you to do, you have not even obeyed. Some of us, myself inclusive, we need to repent and go back to the drawing board with God. There's still time to get things done this year. So how do I live a life of impact? Don't be afraid to dream. P. I would always encourage us. Let the Holy Spirit paint pictures in your heart. Sometimes those pictures, they're like, what, God? Let him paint. Let him paint. Let him inspire you. Dream big. Journal those dreams. Write them down. You want to see manifestation in 28. What is your own? God is saying, this is what I will have you note it down. And begin to walk in that direction. He will open doors. He will lead you by the hand. He will give you opportunities. Take advantage of those opportunities as they come your way. Another thing to note, as we journey towards significance and we become people of influence, don't seek success. Seek value. Seek to be a person of value. Seek to live a life of value. Look for how you can add value to people. How you can add value in conversations, in situations. Become a problem solver, a solutions provider. Find your gifts. F- for some, you, don't, you probably don't know and it's okay. But stick with the product manufacturer who is God. The one who fashioned you, the one who designed you. Engage him to ask, Baba, what am I here for? Why did you create me? I have been told that I was not just created to mark time or to exist, occupy space like matter. You created me for more. So what would you have me do? One of the things I also learned from P.I., you know, one of the past messages, he said, Look, on the way to the cross, when Jesus was on his way to the cross... There were small assignments that he found himself doing. He would heal. He would save. He would deliver. He would—it was on the journey to the cross. So as you journey towards that big thing, even if you don't know what that big thing is, there are assignments on your path that need to be done. Take advantage of them. Do not ignore them. The more problems you solve, the higher your value. People will seek you out based on your gifts not necessarily your looks, how much money you have in your bank accounts or the type of cars that you drive. Become a subject matter expert in your space. You have your crazy. You have identified your crazy. What are you doing to become better at executing it? What are you doing to become better at delivering value? Write that exam. Take that course. Buy those books. Go back to school if necessary. Don't stop learning. Keep evolving. Keep growing. Seek out opportunities for growth. I remember, very quickly, let me share my experience, how I started facilitating for banks and all. So I worked in a bank, and I know I love to teach. I know I love to teach people stuff. So we, we started this thing called knowledge improvement program at my bank then, and it used to happen weekdays. I realized that it was the HR staff that always went around trying to facilitate those classes. So I reached out to them and asked if I could join in. And they accepted. I remember my very first uh, class. I was teaching a department that, if I had my way, I would have, you know, refused to have been posted to that particular department because it was a department full of boys and a lot of them liked me. So I thought it was gonna be very unseri- it was gonna be a very unserious class. Anyway, I took on the challenge, went there, and whatever. <laughs> I took on the challenge, went there, and I did my thing. Very nervous, very shaky, but I did my thing. And I got very good feedback and I was encouraged to continue. So that was how I started. I wasn't being paid to take these classes. I would go and teach and all. Till eventually, I became like one of the facilitators of the bank. So when we're starting out a new project, and we needed to disseminate information to staff, go around branches, they would ask me to join. Till eventually, I got pregnant, and then while on maternity leave, an opportunity showed up to facilitate um, a credit class in First Bank Training School. And I took it on. I was paid, in fact, I, that, it was a one-week training And I literally end my net pay for the month in, what, four days. That felt very good. And alas, that's how it started. I went from First Bank to Access Bank to Diamond. And anyway, seek out opportunities. When they come, take them. With fear and trepidation, it's all right. Just take it. Work at, you know, excelling at it. Give your best. If you don't do so well... It's okay. The next opportunity will come. You would refine yourself. You will become better. At least you know what not to do. You have learnt the lessons. So as I wrap up, follow your crazy and stick with it. Don't be everywhere, guys. Follow your crazy. Stick with it. Jesus knew his JD. Jesus knew his job description. It was in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. It says... And she will, that was the angel to Mary, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That was Jesus' JD. Now, fast track to John chapter 6, verse 15. It says, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. They will not come and put sansan in my gary. That was what Jesus did there. They won't come and put me in trouble. Because Jesus recognized that he is the king of kings. He was not meant to be the king of the Jews. Which was why he refused to be crowned. But what happens is some of, some of us, we get comfortable. Oh, fame. Okay, okay, bring it on. I'm representing God. I'm shining as light. Meanwhile, it's not every opportunity that you're meant to take on. It's not every opportunity that you're meant to take on. So recognizing or knowing your path, knowing your path, knowing you're crazy and sticking with it, is going to be very rewarding and very fulfilling. God's instruction to man in Genesis chapter one verse 28. He says, "Be fruitful." In Sunday school, we were taught fruitfulness meant reproduction is a lie. Fruitfulness there is productivity. So when God says to man, be fruitful, he's saying, be productive. Multiply, he's saying, increase greatly. He did not say, I don't know, I was going to say addition. But anyway, you get my point. Multiplication, increase greatly, increase. So what it is that you are doing, it needs to begin to spread. That is how you become light. That is how you are salt. He says, replenish the earth. Fill up again. It means to restore to a former level or condition. I love that definition. Because it means that you and I are created to be able to restore people to God's original intent, God's original design. It means that whatever it is we find ourselves doing has to be making lives better. Has to be lifting people up. And it says subdue. So dominate in your area of gifting. Be good at what you do. Be good at what you do because God is an is a God of excellence. Now, one thing I want us to know as I wrap up is that God said, be fruitful. Where's that scripture? Can you put it back up, please? He says, be fruitful. He didn't say, be full of seed. He didn't say, be seedful. What that means is there is a seed inside of every one of us. There is a seed inside of each and every one of us and it is that seed that will grow into a tree that will bear fruits it is that seed that will cause us to be productive so we're not asking God for seeds because the seed is in already we are receiving grace and enablement to be able to produce to be able to bear fruits And you know what happens to branches that don't bear fruits in John, according to Jesus? He says they will be cut off. So it's our responsibility as children of God to produce fruits, to be productive, to fill the earth, to greatly increase, and to replenish it and restore people, restore situations, restore our nation's glory. Lastly, A seed does not become a tree except it dies first. Some of us need to die to certain habits. Some of us need to die to to negativity. You need to close yourself up to criticisms. You need to protect your spirit. There are some of us that need to disassociate from certain types of relationships and friendships. Friendships. Because you know you do outgrow your friends, right? So if you're still dragging with them, I'm trying to pull them all, and they are pulling you back, you need to give yourself brain. What do you need to die to? Negativity, criticisms, crippling fear, self-doubt, past failures, limiting beliefs and mindsets. There is nothing that can be compared with a sense of fulfillment. Knowing that you have lived life being God's hands here on earth. Knowing that you have walked the path of this earth. Your journey being his feet. Being his voice. Jesus would say, when I needed clothes, you, you did not clothe me. When I was naked, you didn't clothe me. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. And the, his disciples asked, "Where, Lord, when were you any of these things? So there are people that God has called us to. There are situations God has called us to and is looking to each and every one of us. So as I wrap up, I want us to begin to think about what is your crazy? What is that crazy idea God has been speaking to you about? It is crazy because it is not popular. It is crazy because you are currently getting a lot of contention for it. It is crazy because yeah, I mean, Jesus all he wanted to do was to save but it was such a hard thing to do. Bible records that there was a particular location he goes to that he could do no miracles because of their unbelief. He couldn't do so. It's okay. He recognized those kind of places and he withdrew from there and went to places where he could be accepted. Same thing with Paul. The Holy Spirit didn't allow him going to certain regions. So it's okay to look at, you know, your failures, look, look at those rejections. I just lay it at the feet of Jesus. But don't give up. Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your crazy. Because you have been called to a life of impact and significance. I'd like us to pray now. Is that okay, guys? Let us pray. And a good place to start would be just praying in the Holy Ghost. praying in the Spirit. For those who have a prayer language, and if you don't, just say to God, Lord, you know me. Lord, you know me. You know what it is that you have placed inside of me. This morning, I ask that you expand my mind. I ask that. You Thank expand you for my mind. listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash NG.